Jr. He is a web developer, and I met him through Rain. He gave a presentation on how to make a kick-ass website. So, thank you very much for listening, and here's the show. Alright, and I'm live with Antonio Ortega Jr. How goes it, man? I'm good. How you doing, man? Doing really well. What you been up to lately? Uh, it's been a little bit slow with the holidays. Normally, I run my uh, local meetup group for web developers, Eugene Web Devs. Uh, but we, t- we do it last Thursday of the month, every month, except for... If there's a holiday, which uh, Halloween was Thursday, mm-hmm. Christmas Obviously, next month. Christmas is Wednesday, yeah. I think, or Thursday, and then of course Thanksgiving is also Thursday. So we don't do those this month, those months, uh, which is nice for me. I get to step back from trying to organize an event and organizing stuff. Events are hard. Events are hard to organize. Events are hard, man. Getting multiple people's schedules to ever line up is just like it's asking a lot of people. It is, and you know it's free. You know, we don't make any money off of it, and unfortunately, we can't pay any money out of it. So I'm asking for free work. So I try to be very sympathetic to that. Yeah. For your for the speakers. For the speakers, yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. And that's really the most important part is getting a good speaker, getting a good topic that makes good to- content for the community. Yeah. But it, again, it's a lot of work. So it's nice for me to have a couple months off from doing that. That's usually when I get into my uh, kind of my research, like my personal stuff. Nice. My Which kind has of, been. Uh, lately, it's been JavaScript uh, front-end frameworks and progressive web apps, just kind of like that next gen of what websites are moving towards. Um, I'm really big on uh, continuous learning. Everybody says that, I know. Yeah. It's a cliche. But I <laughs> you really, gotta be. You, but you really do, especially working in tech. You have to be. Everything changes every year or two, mm-hmm. sometimes faster. Yeah. So what, what has been some of your favorite talks that people come and uh, spoke about? I know I just saw one that was uh, AI. Is the or no AI is the UAI? I uh, know. No UI is the new UI. No UI is the new <laughs> yeah. UI. So, yeah, that's all about voice, um, and that was a really interesting topic, uh, talking about Alexa and obviously Google Home and Apple, Apple's as well. They all have the same uh, offering and same security issues. They all have the same questions about where this is going to lead. How much are we going to actually talk to these things in our house? And then. A big part of that is the paranoia that they're always listening to us, mm-hmm. which I addressed in the talk. And it was, they don't actually send that much data back unless you say the the invocation word like Alexa or a Hey Google or whatever. Nice. The weird thing is, I just saw commercial for them in your cars now too. Yeah. So I'm like, like, why would you need to order something in your car? Like, are you gonna forget about it or what? You Probably know? hands-free driving. You can also ask questions now, uh, so or give commands. So for example, you might want to say, Hey Alexa turn on all the lights in my house so that mm. way when you come home all the lights are on yeah do you have one i do you do is it mm-hmm. is it useful because i've never met someone i guess i don't i, I, I don't ask everyone sure sure but you know uh yeah i have one in every room actually of my house nice. and the most important one is the bathroom because when i'm in the shower i can just say skip when i don't like the uh, song it's playing <laughs> and just play through speakers throughout your house yeah. Nice. That's the future for it's you. It's <laughs> pretty nice. I also had a, just for, you know, I like to tinker and stuff and I'm a web developer. So um, I also can ask it what's for lunch at work and it will reply. Nice. So I wake up and I did that. Maybe I get a bagel. Maybe I get a scone. Maybe I don't, depending on what's for lunch. Do you preset uh, answers for it or does it just tell you something? So I made a service at my job where uh, in Slack, you can do slash lunch and it'll just tell you what's for lunch. And we mm. put that in every single month. Cool. Nice. So I, from that same database, I'm able to draw in from home, say, what's for lunch today? That's cool. So you, do you have to kind of know code to use it well? 
Uh, to use it really deeply, yes, but for the most part, especially things like Alexa or simple lookups, we're getting to a point where you don't actually have to know much code. You can make a very simple Alexa app with uh, static answers and no code at all. Mm. Absolutely no code. It's all UI and you just type in the things you want it to respond when you say the, the specific questions. So yeah. we're really moving towards places where code is this under the hood thing and it's more your normal interface of this goes here, this text goes here, when this happens, do that. Did you see the uh, Netflix Vox explained about coding? Mm -mm. Um, so they're pretty much like ones and zeros are under the hood to sure. basic commands to coding. And then do you think voice is going to be the next one? Because um, they kind of said it like just typing like, hey, I kind of want an app that looks like this and it would just kind of be building it. Sure. Um, it'd be writing your commands. Do you think it's going to skip that and go to voice? Or maybe like, do you think coding is going to get easier? I think coding is going to get easier. I think every, the thing that gave me the most hope for coding getting easier and people adopting it was MySpace. Mm. Everyone I knew learned a little bit of code so they could make their MySpace really gross and annoying. Yeah. Uh, and that was a long time ago, but I think we're getting to the point where everyone's fairly okay with, they know code exists. It's not this mystery magic anymore. It's yeah. just like, yeah, it's on my laptop. It's on my phone. It's everywhere in my life. I know it's still there and it's, it's not that complicated, honestly. Well, it's kind of complicated because if I like if someone who isn't into it ever gets into it, it's like, okay, I want to develop an app. And then it's like you got to use like four different kind of like shells or whatever these oh, sure. things are to use it. I'm like, it'd be cool if almost a monopoly came and there was like one place that you just go. Or do you, is that not really a realistic possibility? Oh, it's definitely a possibility. Uh, that was, uh, I think, Microsoft's dream with .NET and, mm -hmm. you know, trying to get people locked into their ecosystems. Lock-in's a big thing. If you get developers locked into one place, Amazon's doing it right now where... All the backend stuff is built in Amazon. Mm -hmm. All the code you write isn't, you can't send it out elsewhere. It's not reusable. There's in no like transcriptions? Azure. No, they don't really work uh, very well wow. that way. That's probably by a little bit more design than they will admit. Oh, probably. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, their, their services work really well. You build the underlying stuff. Like you said, you have four different things if you want to make an app. You need mm -hmm. a database. You need uh, some sort of connections that the app can connect to to get to the database. And these are all different pieces. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as a monopoly thing, that's totally a realistic thing, and it could happen. It would yeah. take a quite a bit, and usually, I think I probably the best at it is Apple. Mm -hmm. Or if Apple and Google got together, that'd be endgame. That would pretty much yeah, that'd that would be, be pretty crazy. much it. Because right now, if you want to make like an iOS app, you have to have a Mac mm -hmm. for the most part. Yeah, I don't know. That's the obnoxious thing is if you want to code, you have to do it for Android and Apple differently, or is there like a new? I, I saw a couple things that you could hypothetically do it for both. Yeah, you they, can hypothetically do it for both, and and actually, you know, you can practice do it for both. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a couple services that do this, and they use various methods. Um, after you send them their code, mm. your code, uh, but you are limited. So some things are very much Apple specific. Um, uh, what's it? AirPlay, for example. There's no AirPlay on Android, yeah. so there's no equivalent. That's one thing that's very, very much uh, unavailable. Mm -hmm. But if you want to do something that's a, you know, like an informational app or an app that takes in information and sends it elsewhere, you can do that across platform and actually across more than that. Um, what's it called? React Native is a subset of React.js that came from Facebook, and it will you write it once, and it will spit out two different versions, one nice. for uh, Android and one for iOS. Yeah, I like it. Do you think, because there's a whole learn to code thing mm -hmm. where, where everyone was kind of making the push, so like everyone should at least learn basic code, and coal miners should just switch over to coding and stuff. Do you think code, like code web developers, coders, whatever, gets to such a place where it's like there's too many? Uh, there's an infinite number of things that could be done. Oversaturation, yeah. yeah. I mean, as long as there's more people, there's going to be more things to maintain. Mm. Uh, it'll move. 
we have more mobile developers, I think, than ever, and fewer uh, infrastructure developers than ever, I think, because of Amazon mm. and because of of Apple. Like you said, the monsters, yeah. monsters in the industry are leading that. But everyone should learn to code. I don't think everyone should learn to code to be a developer, to be an engineer, but everyone should learn how to, you know, like when I was a kid, it was everyone should learn how to change a tire. You're not going to change tires for a living, but yeah. it's handy when you need it. Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're starting to say, like, people like Naval Ravikant are like, you don't even need to teach your kids how to drive. Like, kids who are born today mm-hmm. will probably never need to know how to drive. So it's like, I don't know how, how, how necessary all that's going to be. But someone's obviously got to know how to code. You know, like, if it, if it did right. become you could code an app just by kind of, like, talking and espousing for a long time. Um, and maybe you pay a company like a hundred bucks a month and then it goes to them and they just kind of fix the little tweaks or something. Yeah. I think that's a much more reasonable model. I could totally see that where That'd be cool. it asks you questions, qualifies it. And it says, now I've built a good plan for the code. I've got a template started to something rough. And now you go to, you skip that whole prototyping. You skip that whole like R and D you skip a whole bunch of phases and get down to polishing. Yeah. Well, more than that, like, it's like you have to know so many, I don't know if they're called commands or just lines of just like how to actually create like boxes and lines and how to have a click through go to a different thing. Oh, like, sure. To, the, the, the barrier for entry for something like getting into coding or being able to is like extremely high. It's like tennis compared to badminton where it's like, I like badminton because you can just start doing it even if you're awful. Mm-hmm. But to play tennis, to even just like hit it back and forth with someone a couple of times, it's like you have to know it pretty well yeah i mean that's why we call them languages because uh, it's just like learning another language you it, ha- it takes a there's it's not the most easy thing all the time no. and it can definitely get uh more and more complicated the more layers like mm-hmm. trying to learn a new language uh with just slang i mean slang's awful like there's yeah. no dictionary for it it changes every every couple of years it changes every generation so mm-hmm. yeah coding is, is a language in that respect where there's a aspects to it that come and go as the internet changes as machines change yeah like python got really big for a while did you get into it and then when i mean not that it's phased out but it it became like a huge thing i want to say 2016 or 17 or something did you learn it and then everyone kind of moved away from it back to javascript or wherever and were you like no python's python i think uh if you look at like google trends like you know the google trends uh tab that you can go just type in a search term and see the searches for it yeah still bigger than ever python has a slow and steady pace no nice cool it's it's uh i think it got more exposure mm. um, around 2012, 2015, somewhere around there. I'm yeah. not sure where. Um, but it's been a pretty solid language for a long time. It hasn't had the the big spike like Ruby did. Ruby had this giant spike in popularity when they came out with their uh, Rails platform for building websites. Mm. And for quite a while, it was really, really popular. And now that chart is just going down, 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 down. Mm. Do you use one of those? Because you, you make websites for, for uh, businesses, real estate and stuff like that. Do you do it um, from scratch like that, or do you use something like WordPress to just... Because I use WordPress just because sure. it makes it like easy for babies like me, where it's like, you know... No, we use uh, WordPress sometimes. That's a preference. Um, so we have a whole service that'll set up a WordPress for you and integrate our data services. The, mm. the core of our product at uh, IDX Broker is data. Oh, cool. So the Google Analytics half or side of it? Uh, the real estate data, the data of the properties. Mm. Okay. So, and we build search tools that integrate with websites. So we do WordPress. We do, we'll do any site. We'll do the, our integration portion yeah. with pretty much any kind of website. It doesn't really matter. We just want to put in a, a map so you can get a map and a search bar so you can have like a Zillow-like experience on your personal website to, oh, cool. to move your personal brand forward nice. and compete with like Zillow and whatnot, but it, probably in a more local or niche focused. 
Yeah. It, it's got to be a lot easier to code in months like this, like December rather than July. Like, do you, do you find it tough to just be inside when it's like sunny out for like the three months that it is? Uh, I don't try not to stay inside. I try to take my laptop out and go code. Really? Yeah. Nice. I actually really like, I know not everybody does, you know, there's a stereotype of the engineer with the headphones on in the basement, just mm-hmm. shutting out the world. And sometimes that's really nice, especially like a really intense project. Especially like right now. Like I wouldn't, you know, Yeah. who even cares? Yeah. It's, it's rainy. <laughs> but in the summer, uh, you'll usually find me here at the barn light with my laptop working on something. Nice. That's cool. So you just ever, hanging out. You ever considered like the uh, digital nomad lifestyle? Uh, I've considered it. Um, it's not really part of uh, the business I work at now at IDX Poker. We're... We really like being around each other. It's a nice. really cool place to work, so not everybody, most people don't want to yeah. work remote all the time. And uh, But I wouldn't be opposed to it if I had oh a position that did that and it was like, hey, you got to go here for this. I know mm-hmm. um, it's becoming more popular with like um, developer evangelists, like developer experience advocates, people that go to conferences and say, hey, you know, how you develop matters to your company and we're going to show you how. Mm. So they have people who go to conferences and speak about this and they're kind of doing the nomad thing because it's this conference, work on their code. Go prepare to speak at another conference. Work on code. I like it. And do you do do you speak at conferences? If you host your own mini con, like conference thing, do you have a lot? So to yeah, say? we do the meetup, which is actually it's pretty good for Eugene. Eugene's not a big town, and we get no. we get about I think on average is thirty something. Whoa, nice. for meetup. Yeah. So we do pretty well as far as uh, the meetup circuit goes. Uh, I'm really, I don't really I haven't really spoken too much at conferences. Mm. I've done some workshops around town. IDX did its own conference for our developer partners and. I spoke a lot of that. I spoke for like two hours, and I was like, "That's a long, that's a long time." That's a long time to go for it. Yeah, you gave you gave it quite a here a uh, while here at Rain too. Yeah, yeah, it was an SEO talk at Rain, kind of the new um, stuff that's easily accessible to everybody for SEO. Um, Google released a thing called Lighthouse, where you can just in your browser in Chrome. Just take a look at your, an SEO score, and it'll just tell you an SEO score on what scale of one to hundred. Hands down, the most useful thing I got out. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like this exists? I completely changed my website after I made it too. I'm like, because I'd like to, like thirty things loading, like thirty uh, little players mm-hmm. um, loading, and then it's just like it showed SEO like ninety five or ninety eight or whatever, like everything except um, speed of like the performance. Wh- yeah, and it was just like a twenty six with like an eight or twelve second downloads or um, startup time. And I'm like, all right, that's got to change. Yeah. But I don't know. It's cool that uh, it removes a lot of that. You know, like you're saying, the barrier to entry, there's a learning curve for for most things. Mm -hmm. And Lighthouse is really them trying to remove a lot of that learning curve and say, hey, here's a dead simple score. We all understand scores from 1 to 100. And furthermore, here's a bunch of advice on what the why we're giving you this score. Mm -hmm. So if you're not a web developer, you're not an engineer, you can take that Lighthouse score to a developer and engineer and say, how do we make this number move? Yeah. So it's really cool. It's really cool to have that all demonstrable. It's good for you as the website owner, and it's good for any developer you hire because they have a a good workflow and uh, goals, Mm -hmm. measurable goals, which is nice. That is pretty nice. Thinking about it, if coding does become something that's easier for literally everyone to do, like at some point, just using a computer was something that just specialists did, and Mm -hmm. then everyone can use it, and specialists moved into just coding. And if that becomes everyone, I wonder if there will be a new kind of specialization that like like I wonder what the new emerging field will be where like a very few can do it and eventually everyone can do it. Because that seems to be how a lot of technologies work, you know? Sure, sure. You usually get the, the hyper-specialist. Mm-hmm. There's a, it works the other way, too. Um, you'll have legacy uh, systems where 
there where there used to be a lot of people working on whatever it is and now there's only like five people that still code in that or really? and, you know yeah and it, especially when they're like big legacy systems like a bank or like a hospital or something yeah you but have to have somebody you just can't switch over yeah it's not as easy as just switching everything out because there's no downtime with a hospital or a bank there's no oh, like yeah. yeah it's constant there's no time to shut it down and switch over so you have in some instances legacy systems where someone's paid to do something that's 20, 30 years old and just has to keep working exactly what it is. No new things, just keep it going. That's bad, man. That should change. <laughs> like, I mean, you can't shut down a hospital for a day, but. Oh, no. Could you almost have people like maintain whatever you're currently on all the way until the next one's built and then just switch it over in like you a can. minute? You can. That's still a huge plan. It's a big endeavor. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that's like a years-long project usually, especially with the amount of data that, you know, like a hospital or a bank oh records. God, yeah, or has just on back file from, mm -hmm. from every patient for the past, what, 10 years? Yeah, longer, I think. I don't remember what the... Uh, they probably have it longer, but they're required, I think, like 10 years or something yeah, like that. That's crazy, man. Yeah, like it's, it's... So, yeah, it works both ways where you have new emerging fields where there's only like 10 people who know how to do this really well, mm -hmm. and you have these legacy ones where there's only 10 people left who yeah. know how to do this really well. That's a trip to think. And everybody else is in the middle. Bell curve, just like everything. Yep, just like, like most it. things. Do you think more people are going to get into AI? Because it's something that you hear about all the time. And I've heard the radically different opinions of people like Elon obviously think it's a huge thing. And then people like Naval are they're like, it's not even really a real possibility for uh, general AI, at least. Sure. Um, I think uh, the one thing that they all have in common is they say it will be the future eventually. But that all comes back to what your definition of the future is. Is mm. the future 10 years? Is the future 100 years? Yeah. These are very different things. I think it's ten years. I think it's a week or two for most of us. <laughs> most of us tend to think things tend to think of things within the span of our own lifetime, at the yeah, very least. Very true. So, for you talk to somebody who's kind of a self-proclaimed futurist, uh, they might be talking about five hundred years or a hundred years in the future, laying the groundwork for stuff like that. Would you? Would you? Uh, if it did become a place where you could upload into it, would you do it? Uh, I don't know if I would do that. Uh, that sounds tempting and anything that sounds that tempting I get I start to look for the uh, the old switcheroo at the end there's always yeah. a catch right yeah may, well maybe well, maybe too skeptical yeah maybe like as soon as you get in you're like you know it's not good but like automatically just spurts out like man this is the greatest thing ever so a bunch of you know you hear all your friends and family go in yeah it's like the you ever watch Futurama yeah it's like the uh, the movie series the movie um, season mm -hmm. where like the the tentacle comes down and like as soon as it hooks oh, yeah. in you're like oh my god this is the greatest thing ever but it wasn't yeah, I yeah. I, that's and I think that's the cautionary tale that uh, those sci those science fiction things do. They're always like, "Oh, this seems like the greatest thing ever," and in a lot of ways it is, and in mm. one really deal breaking way, it's not. Yeah. So that'd be my has I watched consume too much of that media to not have that skepticism. I think mm -hmm. something I've been kind of thinking about and kind of afraid of is like I feel like the more sci fi and just like bad things that exist, the more it puts those ideas in people's heads. Like it's hard to think of like if no one had ever thought of the idea to like hijack a plane or shoot up a school, like would any just deranged person have ever done it? Or did someone else have to come up with the idea and then someone who's in a deranged state of mind have to be like, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll pick that one. I'll do that one. Like what if people like what if these really creative sci-fi people and, and people never even came up with the idea? Would anyone actually... You know? uh, yeah, there's. I mean, there's no way to ever test that, right? No. <laughs> I guess we should all just be thankful that those very creative sci-fi people aren't deranged because they they're yeah. very creative. They're very, they're very creative. Yeah. I would not want to see them go on a rampage. No. Who knows what they'd come up with? Yeah, probably just a bio attack. That's the biggest thing. I mean, I've been hearing it everywhere. Bill Gates talked about it. Vox did a video on it. Um, and Naval had an idea or had a whole talk about how the future might end. Mm -hmm. um, and that was like everyone's number one fear 
is that like a H4N1, like a flu disease that's super sure. easily, uh, you know, you probably heard it. I'm like, that's a pretty scary thing. And there's nothing that we can do about it, you know? No, I mean, there's never been anything we really can do much about the flu. We try. <laughs> or anything, anything like world ending, like the super volcanoes or anything. Like, yeah, again, nothing we could do about those. So but do you just not think about it? Not, no. <laughs> just I go back to coding. I generally like, yeah, don't it. think about things I can't stop. <laughs> I know. But it's it's like a, ba- it's a balancing act for sure. You're like, okay, well, I could die tomorrow, so I should enjoy today, but you can't live every day like that. Right. You know, so it's like a... It's a weird balancing act. Though, it's a it's a duality that it's sometimes it's tough to maintain because your natural instinct is to go into either the micro when it's a uh, probably more probably more beneficial to step back and then yeah. go into the macro when like you need to get stuff done. Good point. You know, like when you're trying to go to sleep and you start thinking about these big ideas, yeah. like, well, what if the universe exploded? <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, but but anything like I don't know, man. It is the worst thing to like be like, okay, I got to be up at seven a.m. tomorrow. So you're in bed by like eleven. But then you don't fall asleep till like three. Like that is oh, my, yeah. one of my least favorite things. You're like, I was good. I was in bed on time. And then you just can't shut it off. What is that? You know? I don't know. Um, I know a lot of people self-medicate for that. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you were talking about it, but marijuana is something that if I ever take it at night, I don't even know if I'll sleep that night. Like that makes me think more than anything I've ever done. But yes. I so mean, that's probably not what we should take. Not self making. Yeah. Something I've, I've discovered recently, there's a, a nootropic, I don't know, nootropic, nootropic uh, called Phenibit, Phenibut, which I have been taking and it is crazy nice. Huh. Um, I call it like alcohol 2.0 because it's just a lot of the good sides of it, um, sure. but none of the really bad sides and you just fall asleep instantly. And that's the, uh, that's the traditional self-medication, right? That like we have a nightcap. Yeah. Like that's how ingrained that is into our culture that mm-hmm. I drink before bed to help you go to sleep. And yeah. It's called a nightcap. Yeah. Can you, can you code drunk? Uh, I have. have <laughs> I don't know if I can, but I have. I have, uh, I remember I had this one, it was a personal project and I was working on it. And then the next day I was out at a, at a local pub and met some friends in the middle of it kind of chatting with them and still working on it. Um, yeah. Next day I went back and I saw all these really weird comments in there. And they were like, hey, this guy is being a jerk. And I'm like, why is that in my comments in my code? That's weird. Wait, you left the comments? I left the comments to myself in the code, That's yeah. so funny. You're just like <laughs> talking to yourself from the future? Pretty much. That's hilarious, man. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, coding drunk, probably not a good idea. Mm-hmm. But from, like mo- like most things, probably not a good idea, but you can do it. Yeah. From the outside, it seems like coding has got to be like the majority of it's just like figuring out how to do something, thinking and looking stuff up. And it seems like the actual coding of something wouldn't take all that much time. Like you do it and then it's like, all right, it's done. Like you're not working on a treadmill where if you do, you put in like if you're becoming an athlete, it seems like all your work's on a treadmill, like as in you do, you, you know, you learn how to throw a javelin really well. But then a month later, if you don't do it, uh, keep it up, it goes away. But if you're coding, like any work you do now will still be there in like a year even. Sure. But uh, stereotypically, you're not going to like it in a year. Oh, really? Yeah. You look back on you're like, I could have done this better. Hmm. So you're just improving. Yeah. Usually improving. And you know, the athlete analogy, I think is really good because the best projects and the best, you know, code times come from the best preparation. Mm. So just like an athlete, how much of an athlete's uh, performance is diet? That's not training. It's just literally the fuel you put in to prepare for the task at hand. So if uh, your athleticism is the coding is the task at hand, then uh, meetings and planning and all that stuff would be like the diet before that lead up to it and allow you to be really efficient and get things done, which feels really cool. It's really cool when you make something and you plan it out and all your plan works and all the stuff works and you get skeptical and you start self-doubting. And you're like, how come yeah. it works? Everything breaks. That's funny. But yeah, it's a lot like that where it, the, coding, the coding part itself is a lot of lookup and a lot of um, deciding how to solve or how to express how you're, you're, you're intent in solving a problem. But 
if you have a good approach at solving the problem, coding shouldn't be much of a problem, much much of an issue for you. Nice. Just because I imagine probably every single one of my listeners, or maybe a, a couple percent, no, don't know how to code. Like the majority of people who are listening, like think of like what is coding? It's just like a black box kind of thing where it's sure. like those people do the work, and then for some reason my phone turns on. Like we don't know. I don't know how this computer's recording or anything right now. But like, and I don't even think the people who coded. Logic probably know how the actual microphone captures it. No. You know, like everything is like five steps removed yep. from what people are actually working on. They're uh, they're built on top of each other, right? Yeah. So you have like physical engineers making the microphones. Uh, before that, you have sound engineers talking about how they should pick it up and how sound waves will work, and it's all just layered on top of it until we get to a user interface, which is the last thing before the user touches mm-hmm. it. And then, it's how do I get all of that functionality into something that's Looks nice and is intuitive to use. Mm-hmm. And then we have people like me and you standing on top of it just using it. Yeah. Which is the most beautiful thing of all. So with that, do you like working for working as a part of like a puzzle piece or do you like working on your own uh, projects? You just mentioned you, you were working on one at some point. Uh, I try to always have side projects for that continuous learning thing. Nice. Like uh, I redid my website. You know, you're talking about doing websites. Like I redid mine uh, in Next.js, which is a superset of React.js because I hadn't before. So it was a good experience to learn something new, learn something that's kind of popular. React's really popular right now. Um, but I, yeah, I keep trying to do those kind of personal projects at all times, cool. as well as obviously what I'm doing at work. Yeah. Just just to learn, though. I mean, you actually yeah. have the website up hosted with it. So yeah. you just take it down and recode it in a new one in like yeah. a year or two? What? That is so much extra work, man. Uh, I mean, it, it comes in handy. Uh, there's been definitely times that projects at work or... Um, even outside of work, uh, like a side thing, where the experience has come in handy. Mm. Saying, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to use these tools to build X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Um, we re- me and a coworker recently did a, an application for, is it Evergreen Tattoo? Uh, the tattoo shop just down the street from here. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a voting, uh, they, have, they do um, tattoo competitions, and they had a voting system that was all proprietary local stuff. And we we're like, how about we just make you an iOS app? Yeah. So... We both got to recycle a lot of the stuff we use, we know from work um, and side projects because... Uh, like uh, recycle literally? Can you like copy a lot of the code from one site that you built and then just paste it into another uh, app that you built? Yeah, you can. Tight. Yeah, you totally can actually. Yeah. It's, and it's also really cool when you can. Yeah. Um, but no, he recycled a lot of his iOS stuff, which is almost entirely side projects. He, he doesn't really... He has one iOS project at uh, IDX Broker, mm. but it's unrelated. And uh, my knowledge of... The back end and infrastructure stuff for to feed the iOS stuff all came in pretty handy, and we made them a thing, and it's been working great for them for a couple of years. I like it. Yeah, that's cool, man. I, I I could never. I don't know. It seems like so much to um to just be continually learning in a way that like do you have to do it outside of work hours or do, does your work pay for it? Uh, both. Okay. So they're very encouraging at IDX. Um, obviously they're nice enough to let me use the space there for my web developer meetups nice that is and nice. that's it's really nice of them they even they even buy us pizza so Sweet. pretty cool yeah um so yeah that's definitely outside of work but still but do you related, think it should be in, uh, in, in, more related to work like do you think if you have eight hours of work like at least one hour should be related to just like all right like continue continue your learning so that you can bring your best self to the work that's a real that's a moving target right mm. um so you have Technology changing faster than most people can come up with a curriculum for. Yeah. It changes so fast. Um, and then you have, you know, your work staff that you pay to do the job. Mm-hmm. How much do you give them time to, you know, self-learn and stuff like that? Or do you provide a curriculum yourself? Or do you just you hire just... new people every five years? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's places that, that have that yeah. mindset. Uh, 
but yeah, it's it's tough. Um, the outside stuff's easy because I'm just interested in anyway. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, you know, like friends and stuff will be like, "Why are you working?" And I'm like, "I'm working on a thing I want to do." Nice. And uh, it's not for work; it just does stuff I want. They're like, "Oh, well, that's cool." I'm yeah. like, and they're both cool. It's okay. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Everyone's just hanging out at like a bachelor party. You're just coding. <laughs> like, that's happened. <laughs> oh my god, that's cool, man. It's fine. Uh, there was one application I did for myself, uh, and everybody's like, "Oh, why are you working?" And it was a. Uh, they use the. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the service Untapped. No, but wait, you made an application just for yourself. Like you have an app on your phone that only you have. Yeah. Just for yourself. It's not even up on the store. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Okay. Anyways, I haven't heard about that app though. So. Uh, um, this application, um, I can put in settings or whatever for beers I want to try. Mm, nice. And you know how beers are seasonal or beers are rare. And though somebody will get a, you know, a keg of it here, like Beer Steinwell or right. somewhere else. Um, so the untapped application is a lot like Foursquare where it's uh, check-ins. Mm. And you check in the beer you had. Yeah. So I use their API to look for the beers I want. And then it would just send me the location when it found it. Tight. So it just crawls the web for it crawls their their specific service. Nice. And I got a key, you know, developer key from them, and and so I remember it was one time it was I can't remember which beer it was, and it was a beer stein, and it was just random. There was not advertised or anything, and I just messaged my uh, my friends, and I was like, hey, let's go to beer stein. This beer's on tap, and they're like, how do you know? And I'm like, I have a service that looks for it for me all the time. That's so you just get a notification on yeah. your phone like, hey, this uh, bucketless beer that you have just came up. Exactly. That is so funny, man. Yeah. Have you made a multiple of these in the past? Or this is just like a new one or what? No, this is this is actually a really old one. I don't even use it that much anymore. The speaking of oversaturation, the beer industry is pretty saturated now. It's crazy. That and marijuana in Oregon. Yeah. Like that's all that there is. Yeah. It's crazy, man. But yeah, I had this uh I, I did expand it to use Twitter so that way I didn't have to make apps for everybody. It would just tweet at them. Hey, this beer is at blah blah blah. Tight. So just you have a Twitter account for a for an app you yep. made that tweets automatically. Yep. So to whoever funny. I sign up for it. Yeah. So those kind of side projects are great. Like, I'm not going to make any money off of that. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to try to put it into the store. Honestly, it just mm. I think Untapped ended up coming up with a service exactly like it inside their app later, mm. which I don't remember. I don't use it very much anymore. But I learned a lot. I learned a lot about how to get data from someplace. I learned about how to continually check for data from someplace and how to distribute it amongst a small group. Yeah. And th- those kind of lessons have I've used over and over again in in projects for. Or various places I've worked, or side projects. Mm-hmm. They probably saw yours and they're like, "That's a really good idea. I can take that." I mean, I hope so. I wish if that was the case, I wish they would yeah. hit me up and be like, "Yeah, your your thing was a good idea." Yeah, that's a funny thing. Like everyone kind of wants credit for what they do in life, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's validating. It is validating. It it's, feels good. It does, and in an interesting way, it's like you don't think that just someone telling like, "Hey, what you what you just gave to me at the rain conference, like the information you gave, like it helped me and a lot of people a lot." But no one, like, it feels really good to get it, but no one ever really gives it to other people. Yeah, the whole pay it forward thing, it's not yeah. as popular as you think it would be. <laughs> it's not, or at least some, some. there's always uh, breaks in the chain where someone just never gives out compliments. It's like, come on, man. Like, everyone should always be giving. Like, if anyone ever impacts your life in a better way, you got to tell them. Yeah, I agree. Um, and always, uh, you know, cite your sources. You know, don't don't pretend like you made everything up yourself. You know, it, I yeah. think it makes it uh, you you more appealing to work with, too. Good point. So like uh, in in development, we have uh, GitHub, which is just open source code that anyone can use. Mm. And I see people are like, well, I got this from GitHub. And I'm like, well, did you do you have attribution? Did you say, hey, this is from GitHub? And they're like, yeah. No. I'm like, <laughs> you know, they might they might appreciate that. Yeah. It might be nice. I like it. So GitHub's kind of like a hosted web service, though, just for that you don't have to pay for. Is you that do, correct? You don't have to pay for it. It's free. Um, it is a place to store your code. 
Mm, and so. you can search through other people's code could unless you, do, you pay for private repositories. Could you do it on your website too? Is GitHub like a, a cheaper version of owning your own website? Uh, you can, yeah, it, you actually can host a website there. There's some limitations, but you can do it. Com- my my website's hosted um, not on GitHub, but I have a couple other. The Eugene Web Devs one, that's right, is hosted on GitHub. Right. And so, and then if you, you have too much like backend um, CPU that needs to be used, that's when you pay for like Amazon to lend some to you, or how does that work? So I do um, my, the Eugene Web Devs, which is eugenewebdevs.com, um, is just a static site. So there's no compute, it yeah. just is the code. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one dynamic part, which is the part that calls for, to meetup dot, yeah, meetup.com to get the next meetup information and then display it on the website. Yeah. And that does run through Amazon. Mm. So the compute time, which is go get something, transform it, send it back, yeah. I run through Amazon. But Amazon's free tiers are so big, oh, okay. there's, cool. I'm not going to get charged. Yeah, but that is how, it's, it's like they make like the majority of their money just from that, which as soon as I learned, and I'm like semi against Amazon just kind of doing what they do, but I'll still order stuff on Amazon because I realize I'm like, they're not really making any money from me ordering on Amazon. Like they're a, a merchant or whatever a merchandise company that actually makes all their money just having big warehouses of back-end computers that sell their data, or the, not the data, but... Well, they sell the uh, infrastructure. Infrastructure. I'm like, that's crazy. That's crazy to outside people. Like, as soon as I learned that, I'm like, what? I didn't even know Amazon had that, you know? Yeah, that is their biggest moneymaker. I'm actually going to the Amazon conference uh, next week. Cool. Over in Vegas. It'll be five days of Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. No, and what do you learn there? Uh, man, every, every, or at least last year, um, was new products, new products, new infrastructure, new services to work with your infrastructure. I think they announced like three or four while I was there, like two before I even got there. That's crazy. Yeah, they have like, I don't know, like, I think they're pushing 100 different services inside the Amazon console right now. And that is all mostly running the internet. That's absurd. It's crazy, right? Like, yeah. uh, It was a year or two ago, I think uh, their simple storage service, S3, they call it. (laughs) And a lot of times you'll see uh, people using that. Mostly you'll see, I think, people using that to host like images. So yeah. you put your image there, you just link to the image, it shows up in your browser, everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. That had a problem. And it very rarely, I think it's the first problem it's had in like 12 years. But when it had a problem, like half the internet lost their, lost their images. Really? So, yeah. But I assume like places like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter all have their own back, you know, storage kind yeah. of thing. But then for pretty much everything else, like little like Pixel Loop and uh, Unsplash, like everything else probably just goes through Amazon? Yeah. All, most of the stuff goes through Amazon. Like Facebook's some proprietary stuff because it's... Not a hundred percent public facing. Mm. Whereas if your site's a hundred percent public public facing, you probably use Amazon. That's crazy to think that Amazon pretty much owns the internet at that point. They're uh, was it one of the guys said at the conference? Is that they're a infra or they're a data and infrastructure company that happens to sell products? Yeah, that's <laughs> a good way of putting it. That should almost be government owned or like a sort a utility. You know? Yeah, there's talk of that. But, before that, probably the internet, right? Just the internet mm-hmm. in general, the infrastructure the of the internet. Absolutely. There's definitely been, I've heard talk of that. People want that. And it's like, well, there's the pros and cons there. Yeah. Definitely government is bad. But like, if you did something to maybe piss off its Amazon, just like they could be like, all right, well, we'll shut off your ability to use from us then. It's like, what can you do? Yeah. Um, you have to be really big for that to happen, I think. Mm. You know, they give, like I said, they give, for small things, they give away so much. I nice. think uh, the service I use is a... I think it's a million invocations before I get any sort of charge. Mm, and I think the charge is still less than a penny at that point. Oh, man. Okay. So they're very <laughs> kind about it. That, as far as that free tier, yeah. Because, you know, they want that developer lock-in, like I was saying earlier. They oh. want you to use their tools and free to use their tools because 
if you prefer to use their tools, then you go to a company and you say, mm-hmm. hey, let's use Amazon. Amazon now got a whole company because, I mean, regardless of what company you work at, developers are the ones, you know, engineers are going to be the ones who make that choice of what kind of technology we use, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty rare. The CEO is like, we're going to do this and we're going to move to this. Well, I'm doubt they even know. What is it like to go work at a company where they really don't know what you do and you just uh, kind of tell them? That's how I imagine, at least most, like, I imagine managers, CEOs and stuff who don't work for specifically tech companies are just like, I don't know what the fuck you do, man. Just you make sure it gets done. And, like, you know? There's always that degree. Uh, I'm lucky enough to work at one where the CEO does know what pretty much everybody's doing for them, at, at least at some level. Right. Like, he's been there. We used to be over on Pearl, and I remember him helping me when I first started. And I was like, I have this CSS question. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's a quirk with our system. Here, this CSS will fix it. And I was like, CEO just fixed this for me? Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's an interesting company. Yeah. So part of the reason I stayed so long, I've been there like five years now. That's crazy. Is there like a, in the tech, do you think people change jobs quicker because the whole industry changes quicker than most? Yeah. um, I I think people are really not, or less afraid to leave a job, I think these days. And I think that's more due to the the rise of uh, remote work. Mm. So the job pool you're looking at traditionally, you know, like when I was a kid was whatever's around town yeah. and, or maybe you commute, you mm-hmm. know, maybe you know, that, that became more of a thing as I was growing up, people commuting further and from fuck that. Yeah. But now you can be a digital Spending nomad. Like, you yeah. can be in Tulum, Mexico. So it's the complete opposite now, right? Yeah. Like commute goes down to zero. Yep. Your job pool is the internet. So I think that makes people when they, when that clicks for them and if that's okay with them, I definitely know some engineers who are like, I don't, I want an office. I want structure. I really enjoy that. That helps me be productive, Yeah, which is good. What about bosses though? Do they want you to be in there? Or are they okay with like, yeah, be at home in your pajamas as long as you get the work done? Uh, I think it depends on the boss. I think some of them are, are especially if they really like the uh, office setting, mm-hmm. they're probably going to want people who also want the office setting that's comfortable for them. Yeah. When you do remote, it's a lot more of um, not bureaucracy and red tape, but just documentation of what's going on because you're not physically there. Yep. And you need something to track. Mm-hmm. So I know that's frustrating for some engineers and bosses. I got to go through this. I got to read this. I got to read this. Yeah. yeah. But what if you're like really productive, then it'll almost be better because you'd be like, I can get all my day's work done in like three hours. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's perfect. I think that's perfectly fine. I think I, that's how it should be. People are rewarded just for their time spent doing something rather than like the energy and like the, the skills that they, you know, bring to the table. Sure. I think, uh, but that's how we traditionally um, charge for things, right? Just yes. by straight up time because it's simple. It's simple. It it's, should be a change, though. It's really, it's a lot harder to say this project is has this amount of value, this project has this amount of value. Mm-hmm. Just get it done. We've we've allotted this much time. Get it done. If you get it done early, don't come to work for a week. Yeah. That's a really hard thing, I think, for business to say because you always yep. feel like you're losing out. Yeah. But that's what it should be. Like, all right, we need this done. We have this money, much money, and then they just convert to hours. It should be like, all right, you get paid this much if you get this done. Because, yeah, it's like if you can, if you can code an app in two days because you spent 10 years learning it. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just paying you for those two days. That's crazy. Right. It's absurd. Yeah. We do the same thing with uh, other services too, though, where they're like, you know, you, you ask, you, you call in like an electrician or a plumber and they're like hour minimum mm-hmm. and they fix it in 10 minutes and you, you end up leaving. They end up leaving. You're not like most people I know aren't, Oh man, that's so great that it's so easy. My power works again. They're more yeah. like, why'd I have to pay for only 10 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> or for an hour for 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Why, or why shouldn't I, why couldn't I pay for 10 minutes? It's like, yep. it's funny how quickly we switch that around when we're on the other side of it. Totally. Everyone just feels bad giving money out, but everyone, it, I don't know, man, I don't know how the world's going to change so that people are just more able to help. Like you don't feel bad giving money to Netflix and then not even using Netflix for the month. Sure. You'd feel bad donating to like a friend who's trying to start up a company or to like any, anything, you know, like we feel bad giving, 
Maybe big companies are just really good at making us not feel bad about giving money to them. I don't know what it is. Uh, that's marketing. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I think, uh, I, I don't know. I think uh, we have a problem in, gen in general with gifts. Like when we give people gifts, mm -hmm. we have we also attach expectations. And that's not really a gift, right? Like if I give you a gift and you do X, Y, or Z with it and I don't like it, I gave it to you. It's yours. Why shouldn't yeah. you be able to do it? <laughs> On Christmas, man, I like this so much. Just put in there. Like, seriously, thank you, though. Yeah. <laughs> Please just throw it away. Yeah. yeah. But it's yours. It's fine. It should be, right? In theory. Yeah. But that's just not how humans work. We're not... We don't do that. And we're like, why are you throwing that away? You know how much money I spent on that? I want to see you play with it. Yeah, I want to enjoy it through you. <laughs> yeah, that's the gift back to me, right? That's yeah. your thank you. Yeah. That's so I funny. think that applies to, I mean, we're humans. We do that in, as much as we like to separate personal stuff and business, we can't. Yeah. Not 100%. No. So I think we take that with us and we're like, well, we're, we're, we're losing money. We're leaving money on the table. Yeah. This is, uh, they finished the project, but I can make them work on another project. <sighs> How can there be more projects of small companies? It seems like, like, do they, do you ever do, um, small, super small gigs? Like a company would be like, Hey, we need this coded. You could probably code it in like a week. So you, they can't hire you full time. Like, is there gig work for people oh, yeah. who code? There's definitely the, the freelance work. Um, there's lots of websites for it. Um, it depends on what kind of work because in the scope of time, you can't really do a big giant application, right? Yeah. Like, if you're like, I want to start the next social network, it's not a weekend gig. Yeah. Uh, and that's, sometimes it's hard for people to understand that. Um, they think, oh, well, you're a developer. You just, you know, just pull it out of a hat. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, it's magic, right? Yeah. So I run into this a lot. I'm on the committee for Hack for a Cause. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Hack for a Cause. It's a hackathon here in Eugene. Nice. Uh, but it's all community stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's all, it all has to be for a cause. Oh, cool. And, and it's a weekend. So sometimes, you know, we get submissions and it's like, this is too big. There's no way anyone's going to even come close to getting this done in a weekend or even yeah. like not done because it's still just a weekend, like mm -hmm. minimum viable product, right? Like the minimum prototype that you can make in 48 hours, well, less than 48 hours because uh, there's sleep. the opening ceremony, the judging. So you actually get like 30 something hours. Plus so, sleep, hopefully. Do you not sleep during it? Uh, the f I think the first year I didn't. <laughs> you just got it done. Yep. That's pretty cool. Um, and a lot of people do that at first because it's an interesting experience, especially pushing yourself. You learn things like sleep's good. Mm -hmm. You should you should sleep. You'll be more productive. Probably. I don't yeah. know. Sometimes it feels good to not sleep. Like at the end of the second day when you go to sleep, you're like, man, that feels good. I think, uh, you know, especially when you're trying to race against a deadline and you meet it and it's cool. That is, there's a bit of a rush there. Yeah. And I, But that's usually the first or second year people who go to the hackathon. By the third year, you're like... I already got a plan. I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to go to sleep, though. <laughs> nice. Uh, but, yeah, there, those expectations come up a lot when people are like, hey, I have a pitch. Uh, here's a problem my nonprofit has. Maybe you guys could solve it with technology, and then we could do this with it and this with it. And I'm just like, we could do maybe the first one. That's cool. And it's free? You yeah. just submit it to Hackathon? Yeah. It's uh, hackforacause.org. That's pretty cool. And there's a form on there right now. If you have an idea, um, just put it in there, and we'll review it. Nice. Maybe follow up with some questions like, is there a prize? Some yeah. Prizes are nice. People work. People like prizes. Definitely. Um, a lot of questions come up with, a lot of questions get tough though, where it's like, okay, you want this service that does this. Where do I get the data? Mm. I need at least sample data. Can you give a sample data for the hackathon to give to developers because they, they're not going to make it up. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes and it's, it's another event. And like I said, events are hard. Mm-hmm. I definitely understand that it takes more than just like one person a week to make a social network, but places like Facebook hire thousands of people. Sure. And it's already built. What do those thousands of people do every day? 
Um, a big part of what Facebook's trying to do, is from from what I know, is expand. Mm, okay. So you have uh, teams that are working on trying to bring Facebook to different areas of the world that aren't that don't have Facebook. One of the things like a team like that might do is, hey, you're the whatever region team. You can only work with the amount of internet they have. Oh, wow. Because they have to deliver an experience to that region with the infrastructure that's in place, or they have to buy them more internet somehow. That's so funny. They just buy a whole country more internet so they can all use Facebook. I mean, that's possible. They, they I've all... seen plants that, that they have blog posts. They're like, well, what if we just have balloons that bring in uh, access points to... <laughs> It'd be cheaper just to give the country Wi-Fi. <laughs> it might be, yeah. That's so funny. Especially with some of them that are on still on like 3G, mm-hmm. you know, really old internet and stuff. Okay. So how do you take the Facebook experience and distill it down to something that can work on 3G? So they do that. Um, Facebook also does a lot of open source stuff. React is built from Facebook for Facebook, but uh, open source for, for uh, everyone. everyone to use. That's tight. So there are people who probably just work on that. You know, and there's probably, and I'm, I'm imagining a large part of the developers cross over with the marketing team because since that's how they make their money. Mm. Do you think they're just buying up competition though? Like, if you're a really good coder, do you think they'd almost pay you just to, so you don't go work for Twitter? Or you? Uh, no, Google? I don't think so. Um, I don't. I don't know that. Because uh, I mean, thousands of people. No one uses Facebook anymore. People use Facebook Messenger. Sure. But nobody uses Facebook anymore. Yeah, it's uh, getting close to retirement, just like its users. Like it's user base. <laughs> That's funny. But it wasn't like that even not too long ago. And a lot of people my age don't use Twitter either. I think a lot of people are just getting off social media in like a weird way. Maybe Snapchat. People use Snapchat. People use Snapchat still. Yeah. It's um, weird though. The problem with all, with like, okay, so Twitter came along and, um, oh, sorry to answer your, your, your earlier question. Uh, yeah, I don't think uh, people say, hey, let's hire the best uh, engineers for X, Y, Z because it's too hard to measure. Oh, okay. It's not like an athlete who's, mm-hmm. who scores the most points by that guy. Yeah, well, I mean, just mean like, oh, like, damn, like this person or like these bunch of people did really good at like these hack competitions or the, they just got out of this, like the most prestigious boot camp or whatever. Like mm-hmm. we should hire them up so they don't go work for someone else to make a platform that puts us out of business. That would be a decent business model if you had billions of dollars to spend. And they're also kind of vetted as very good coders. So it's yeah. not, it's just a good hiring practice in general. Yeah, good point. So I'm not sure <laughs> so, that that's going to be that targeted. <laughs> What's your job? Don't code for someone else. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. Just don't code for someone else. I, I mean, maybe, maybe somebody's yeah. done that, but I don't think it's a, a viable thing that a lot of people do. You go to the campus, the Facebook campus, it's just thousands of people just sitting, sitting around. around with fidget spinners, just random On, on Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be too funny. Yeah. Uh, it is funny watching people move from social network to social network. It's been interesting mm-hmm. um, growing up and seeing all that. Like everyone was on MySpace not too long, not mm-hmm. that long ago on in internet, in internet years forever ago. Yeah. But in real life, not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And, and now everyone's off Facebook. And everybody went to but Facebook. But where is everyone yeah. going to? Yeah, where are they going? They're, that's the thing. Is like there's so many places to go now. Mm-hmm. Even amongst things that were pretty much the dominant thing before for your type of content or your type of media. So like YouTube was it for yep. a while, for a long time. Now we have Vimeo. And Vine even, which is... And Vine of, was, yeah. Not I mean, Vine when, not Vine, uh, TikTok, which is, TikTok, yeah. is like a short, short, short YouTube. Like it's, not, it's not quite social media though. It's yeah, it's it's like it's like fine. It's like quick entertainment, yeah. quick disposable entertainment. And yeah, so it's getting even more and more niche where we have these networks that would That's have been would have been all consolidated in Facebook or MySpace in the old days or Friendster before that. Yeah. Um but now they're just like, oh, well, yeah, that's cool, but we don't want to do memes and we don't want to do status updates. Mm-hmm. Just post videos of you flossing. Yeah. 
and then you can be on TikTok. But there's definitely something beautiful about having like, okay, like I'm, I'm hooked in here and everyone I know and everyone I meet, I know they're all hooked in there. Like that's Facebook. Like if I meet you, I'm like, okay, cool. I can add them on Facebook and I can contact sure. him. We just need a new version of that because Facebook's like, if you change your profile picture, your thing, it posts it and then you can't even delete it. So yeah. it's starting to become something where I'm like, I don't like this at all. They're just like manufacturing posts at random shit you do. Yeah, I think uh, they probably are uh, <laughs> to keep things going, especially as their user base ages. Oh, I mean, yeah. there's probably less events. Your life slows down after you get 30, 40, 50, mm-hmm. you know, so you're not going to be posting all the time. Like, what are you going to post? I'm at Applebee's again. Great. Yeah. Well, Nobody it's not cares. even that we, that we, I think people just stop posting, like going out to the bars with friends or anything like that. And like, I mean, I got into Facebook when I was what, like 15. So I don't think it's necessarily that I aged to 22 or I must've been later. I think it's that, Everyone in this age range got off Facebook aside from Messenger, and everyone 50 to 60 got on Facebook. Yeah. Is that considered aging? Or yeah. is this just like, I mean, does that happen with all f- platforms? Like, Twitter's still, I don't know, Twitter's younger people. Twitter's like 30 year olds average. Uh, I think guess. it has a, a bit of a different intent. Uh, Twitter seems to be much more, uh, or much less echo chamber, where mm-hmm. Facebook's like, hey, here's my curated echo chamber. Yeah. I don't see people doing the things on Twitter that they do on Facebook. Like, I don't remember any Twitter posts. I'm like, hey, if you're seeing this, you survived my purge, like they do on Facebook. Yeah. Or like, I'm purging all my not real friends. I'm like, this is your measure of real friends? That's mm-hmm. it's a little bizarre. And yeah. definitely you're, you think the media now, you're creating your own, uh, you know, uh, echo chamber of media now. And yeah. I think Twitter's intent is what's everyone in the world doing or what's everyone in your region doing mm-hmm. strangers specifically yes and it's cool it's cool for reading but posting is a weird thing and actually just i would almost say purged my instagram where i went through and i looked at the followers and there was a bunch of people like fake accounts or they had like they're following like, two thousand people and i'm like why would this random like a cbd company follow me or something like that i'm like these are the types of things that are just ruining all social media because then it's like you have a thousand people following you but only a hundred of them are people who you've kind of like gained a following with or anything mm-hmm. so then it's like if you you post something in facebook or instagram looks like oh you have a thousand people but only like 10 are interacting with your stuff that's like one percent as opposed to like what percent it actually be I'm like we got to get bots off social media you know i think that's why uh we've come up with the term influencer so now we start mm-hmm. measuring your influence instead of your raw followers so you have a bunch of followers that's a good indicator mm-hmm. how much engagement do you get yeah who's commenting what are they commentating are these comments that are just links back to their website because mm-hmm. that's not quality and you're probably not it's probably not going to help me to have you push my product yeah so i think yeah instagram influencers amazon influencers these people that can convert sales i mean that's what it is mm-hmm. so we've attached a business term to it now and so i think it'll still stick around in whatever social media that doesn't matter uh, the question is how the social media's intent and how it ages, I think, is what's going to matter where people are going to move to. Yeah. But unless they made one that you literally couldn't have a bot on there or influencers that like could be paid for promotion, it'd be cool to just connect with people on a bare bones thing and be like, hey, I'm thinking of hosting a monthly event for coders. And then like literally anyone in Oregon could kind of tap into that. Sure. But it's not like someone could like use you to market now that you have like 2000 right. coders following you. You could just like. You know, like it would be cool to just get the uh, monetary side of social media out of it. That's tough. Uh, even like, so meetups <laughs> close to what you're describing. And I've had people ask me, they're like, hey, can you send this out to all your followers? And I'm like, no. Yeah. Why? Is it about my meetup? Or yeah. is it about, is it an opportunity for people who like, is there like a discount on learning material for web developers? I'd be happy to send that out. Mm-hmm. 
But if it's just an announcement because you're trying to boost uh, attendance, that's yeah. not really what this is for, especially since the one of the requests I got, I was like, this isn't even a tech event. Really? Yeah. It's just like a competition. Hey, do you want to help us out? It's just, oh, like, oh, you've already qualified that these people are probably all local and you have access to their email. Mm-hmm. Cool. Hit them up for me. That's crazy. It's crazy that that's what, whenever someone wants your email or your phone number, that's what it is. They yeah. just want to be able to sell it to other people. Absolutely. It's horrific, man. I'm so sick of it. I'm, I'm actually, I went through like a, almost like a big uh, bulge of getting robocalls mm-hmm. in like 2018, I guess. Yeah. So to, last year, like 2018, I'd get like two to four a day and now I don't get any. So I don't know what happened if laws came into place or something, but like I'm getting less spam phone calls and email. So I like it. Uh, you might have fallen out of their demographic. Yeah, maybe I have. Maybe. I've been actually signing your email up for hundred. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I never check my email. It's okay. Anybody it. who's ever tried to get a hold of me, they'll tell you like, no, nah, you pretty much have to go find them. Yeah. Well, it's chaos because... You can't even sign up your main social uh, your main social media accounts to your main email because then it just spams your feed with shit. Then I'm like, I already checked this fucking shit on your app. Mm-hmm. I don't need an email from your app telling me I have a notification on your app. I go on your app. Yeah, the, there's only a few uh, platforms I think that do it really well where they're like, okay, we sent it to something. Let's not send anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, you got the verification. If we if you're we're gonna ban your account or some shit, we'll email you. Or if you know Obama messages you, we'll email you. Sure. Aside from that, we're never going to email. That should almost be like a like a priority thing is for like a company to be like, all right, we will literally never use your email. Yeah. Uh, or disclose it at the very least, right? Like yeah. a big part of that was like, or allow you to get out of it, like mm-hmm. the GDRP stuff that went uh, in last year. So we send out emails at IDX mm. for property updates, things people sign up for. They cool. literally want to get an email about a price change in the house. Yeah. That can be a big deal. They want to get that, but they don't necessarily want to always get them in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. So, do so you your, stop checking them. You yeah. stop, you stop well, even looking. Well, yeah, and that means the next time you want to get a house, like you have a bunch of spam and it's yeah. annoying. So it's a bad experience all around. And it's a waste of resources, honestly. Like, why should people be paying to send emails out into a void? Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine how much of the internet is just literally email. The traffic is just literally emails going nowhere. I know. Well, that was uh, a joke is like if all humans died, there'd still be bots just messaging. Oh, they'd still be talking to each other. <laughs> just for years. Yeah. That's Absolutely. Uh, no one there to turn them off and they, they don't know any better. No. And it's ruining the, you, the entire internet experience for me, at least for someone who's like, why, why does all this exist? Why are they following people? Why are they doing any of these things that just kind of create a bunch of, they increase the, no, the n- signal, no noise, noise and the noise to signal ratio of social media and you know, all of the internet. Absolutely. They also provide a uh, ways to inundate you and make you less, uh, susceptible to uh, or less available for like important things yeah <laughs> so like sometimes i missed an email and it was an important one because mm-hmm. i stopped checking it because bots ruined my email experience they ruined it they ruined it i, I want to make a, make a new email and like see like all right how long how many months until it is just i don't even check it anymore it's gonna be that way i think i mean it's <sighs> gonna go the way of the phone call like most of my friends who are younger they don't call people no text Text yeah. or Facebook Messenger. I don't or know Sna- why. Or Snapchat. Yeah, Snapchat. I don't know why. Everyone uses Facebook Messenger. Almost everyone who who's even a friend on there, even if they never post anything for like two years, they're still active on Facebook Messenger like every day. I'm like, that's weird, man. It's uh, weird that we all use this. You're active if you're in the browser and I think and on the app. Oh, okay. So I think it's it's twofold. But I, I don't use that app. It was a weird app when it launched. It launched and uh, I had the Facebook app and I remember... It was like, oh, we're, we're splitting it onto Messenger. I'm like, oh, cool. I don't really use the Messenger part that much. That means my app footprint, you know, the amount of data it, for storage on my phone should get smaller. It didn't. It didn't get any smaller. And I'm like, 
how are you removing a fundamental piece of this application? And it got a little bigger. Yeah. What took its place? And then yeah. I look at the Facebook Messenger app and I'm like, why is it the same size? Yeah. What are these? I don't even know what these apps are actually doing <laughs> for them to be that big and have diminished utility for me. They're taking up room. And I can't even delete them off my phone. I'm an Android. I have a LG. Uh-huh. You can't, you can disable it, but you can't even remove Facebook from your phone or messenger. I wouldn't be surprised if they're doing like pre-processing for their data collection and using your phone for it. See, that is not okay. Man. <laughs> I want to get off Facebook purely because I'm like, all right, I get it. I get it. They're evil. Not evil, but you know what I'm, you know what sure. I'm saying? They're definitely doing a lot of very shady things. And everyone's like, we're going to get off here. I'm like, it's a good way to contact people though. Yeah, there's still utility in it. How about just don't use it unless you need to contact somebody, right? Yeah. I was going to say they should have a big database where everyone's just like, all right, here's my fi- my, my phone number and email if you really need to get in contact with me. But as soon as someone who has a bot like gets gets in there, oh, they yeah. just have everything. You can't actually have that. No, no. it's uh, All that public stuff is just too much. And it, the temptation for any service to sell your data and to spam you themselves for money yeah. is too great. It's dividing us. It's dividing us and making it harder for people to connect or anything more. Like, how can I know I trust you with my phone number? Right. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, it's just funny that you can't actually sign up for, like, just spam email with other people's email and phone numbers. Absolutely. You can do it. There's no check. There's, <laughs> there's no nothing. nothing. And it's on that person to <laughs> then. Uh, yeah, you can just make a spam bomb and just <laughs> spam the crap out of them and they have to go unsubscribe. <laughs> I haven't done it, but I'm like, you know what? Like, I, I guess I don't really have any people in my life that I'm like, man, I just hate that person. But like, if an old professor, at o- honestly, if a professor at OSU failed me when I'm like, hey, I put in a lot of work, I would have spam bombed them. Because it's not so <laughs> malicious that it's like, that's borderline illegal. It's just like, you took up a lot of their time, which they would have done for me. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is uh, the right amount of annoying <laughs> oh without being illegal. Yeah. And they could never figure out. They'd be like. Who signed me up for, you know, like whatever, Grandma's Anonymous. Oh, especially like, like a, a professor who yeah. cycles through people oh every single God. year. Like, how? Are you, there's no way you're going to find that out. Yeah. I'm going to look for someone in my life to do that, too. And we just <laughs> did an hour, by the way. Do you, oh, cool. you want to plug your stuff? Uh, sure. Um, you can find uh, most of the stuff I do over at eugenewebdevs.com. Cool. Uh, check out hackforacause.org. Cool. And go to the YouTube. And yeah, go to, well, you can find the YouTube from uh, eugenewebdevs.com. Cool. I'll link it. That'll be great. Rocking. Looking forward to everything you're doing, man. Take care. Yeah, thank you.